you're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. So, good evening everyone. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Neelu and I've been coming to Whole Vineyard for the best part of 14 years. It's been my home, it's the reason I stayed in Hull. Um, and I currently, I've been serving in many different areas over the years. Um, currently, I serve as one of the trustees in church, and it's an absolute privilege. I love it. This is my home, really. So, let's dive in. So, we've been in a series of call, uh, uh, which has been called Good Questions, and I understand that the heart and the vision behind the series has been really to explore some of the big questions in life, some of the big issues that us as Christians might be struggling with, but also some of the um, barriers for those of us who are outside of the church that are finding. Or it might be that you're actually struggling when other people ask you these big questions. You're like, oh, I'm not really sure how to answer that. So it is the point of the series is to hopefully to give you some answers and some skills to help navigate through these big questions. And the one that I've been given tonight is why does God, um, sorry, do all roads lead to Jesus? Or lead to God? Great start. Do all roads lead to God? It's my big question. But most importantly, what we want to really learn about tonight is what does God have to say about this? I understand over the course of this series, we've been exploring many interesting and good, difficult questions, such as exploring how to find out about our calling, whether we can trust our feelings, or how to thrive emotionally, and some of the tougher ones like suffering. So today, do all roads lead to God? If you put this question in Google, interestingly, you come up with hundreds of articles, podcasts, TED Talks, YouTube videos, books, and so on. In a recent survey, it was found that 60% of young people today apparently believe that all roads do lead to God. And this is in respect of various different religions and spiritual beliefs. Considering the vast differences between them, it is really interesting to note that as many as 60% of young people believe that actually all roads lead to God. And to me, that speaks of perhaps maybe a lack of understanding about what each religion or belief actually offers, or more importantly, what it actually represents. I'll let you in a little secret about me. I'm absolutely useless with directions. I'm one of those people that goes in a shop, comes out and goes back the same way I've actually been in. And I actually recently learned that if you are coming back to Hull from south, and if you miss the M18 junction, you actually add 50 minutes extra to your journey. So don't miss that. I don't know if you guys remember the days before Google Maps or Apple Maps. We used to have these things called tom-toms, and you would stick it to your windscreen, and it was basically like a sat-nav. And it would, you would use it to kind of show you the destination, and then you would just follow wherever it told you to go. And it had a very distinct voice. There was an article about 10 years ago about a guy who actually ended up on a cliff edge, and his excuse in his defense, he said he was just following his tom-tom. He was eventually uh, convicted of careless driving, so don't use that excuse. But before then, people had to uh, use these paper maps, 
the AA roadmaps. They had to fold in like a funny way, trying to unfold it. Yeah, still have one? Reliable, there you go. The trouble with that is that you have to rely on your passenger uh, to read the map and interpret it and tell you where to go. And good luck to you if your passenger falls asleep. I'm that passenger, usually. <laughs> Many of you would know my story. So I do apologize for repeating myself for that little bit. But I only have one conversion story. I can't change it. But for those of you that don't know, um, I was born in the Middle East, in Iran, which is currently the center of so much conflict and pain. In a Muslim family, I practiced everything to the best of my abilities, anything, any, everything that I was taught to do, including three times daily prayers. I struggled with many things in life, especially as a teenager. I was very troubled. I even attempted to end my life at one point because I didn't really see much point of being around. Then at the age of about, 20, about 12, 13, my strange father, who had been away for the best part of five years, actually returned to us one night, and he said to us that he'd met with Jesus, and that Jesus had told him to go back to his family. And this was so significant, because my father had studied five years in like an Islamic institution, Islamic studies, and he was considered quite a strict Muslim, by all accounts. But he was so confident in his declaration that, he, that the, the, he knew that the path that we were on was just not it. That he set my mum and my brother and me to Mecca, which is the, the center of Islam, really. All, all Muslims would want to go there to experience it for ourselves. He said, just go and see. And what me and my mum actually experienced were completely different um, to what we expected. I completed the almost 24-hour-long ritual of cleansing and doing all the deeds. And, but not just once, I did it twice, because at the end of the first time, I was convinced that I'd done something wrong because I didn't get any sense of peace. So I was like, I've got to do it again. I must have dropped the ball somewhere. And then at the end of it, on the last night, I remember just being so exhausted and confused, and then in tears, was crying and going to God and then saying, show yourself to me. I want to know your real self. And I had this clear vision of Jesus on, on, his, Christ, on his cross. And God really clearly spoke to me the words that I love you so much that I sent my son to die for you and the world so that you may have eternal life. Familiar verse, right? I've never read the Bible. So you see, my spiritual Google map had already been programmed when I was born and the way I was raised. Many of you in this room will have different stories, different to mine, because we all come from different backgrounds, different upbringings, and it could be so confusing sometimes about where the destination is. Which way are we supposed to go? Which road? Which path? Am I going to end up on a cliff edge? And hopefully tonight we'll be exploring a little bit of that. So the culture today that we live in is what we call a relativist culture. It talks about there being no ultimate or absolute truth. You hear stuff like, speak your truth. Do what feels right to you. What does your gut tell you? And so on. It's almost that the culture around us is telling us to create our own moral compass. And we only have to look around the world and around us to actually see how wrong this is and how dangerous it becomes. On the one hand, you have to believe 
that all roads eventually lead to God, which is known as radical or extreme inclusivism. And that belief is, uh, is that the, all, all beliefs are rooted in the historical and col cultural references and influences, and all religions eventually lead to the same place. It doesn't matter what the means are, the destination is the same. And then on the other hand, we've got the other end of the spectrum. But then when you look at it, when you look at this one, that all, really, all, all religions eventually lead to God. When you look at the different religions and the different ideologies and how fundamentally different they are, they cannot all be right because they're vastly different. You can't believe in there being so many gods like Hindus believe or there being only one God like Muslims do and Jesus being the son of God like we do, Christians do. It's just logically not possible. Radical exclusivity leads to people being so exclusive and tribal that they become inward-looking, creating their own schools and communities, and over time becoming insular. We could become defensive, and we stop treating our neighbors with love and respect, which ultimately creates this mindset of us and them and us being better than them. And sometimes we'll confuse the love of God with the, power for, for, with the love for the power of God, or God's power. It keeps us from recognizing the revelation of God in every culture around the world and in people's lives. You see, God speaks to people in different ways, and he reveals himself in different ways. And we can't put boundaries and limits on God and his works. When you experience different cultures, that was my ring, lost it. You can pick different uh, general revelations about Jesus. And it's quite fascinating when you actually look at different religions and ideologies. A lot of them have got a sacrificial element into it. So you've got two different kind of um, extreme ends of the spectrum. And the specific revelation that we have in the Bible is through Jesus Christ himself, which is wonderful. You see... Jesus is a blessing. He's a gift to, what, to, the, to the world. It, he didn't come to drive a wedge between people, but to bring us together. Jews and Gentiles, a slave and free, male and female. We are all to become one in Christ Jesus. So I believe that Jesus offers us a third way. And there's two aspects to it, two facets to it, that I want to explore a bit tonight. And the first aspect of it is, is radical love. Because he came to break the boundaries about both inclusivity and exclusivity. Let's dive a bit deeper into the scriptures. So our key verse for tonight is John 14, verse 6, which you are all familiar with, I'm sure. Says, this is Jesus saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Let's look at another verse. 1 Timothy 2.5. It says, For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men. And that is the man Jesus Christ himself. And then you have John 6 verse 30. And Jesus says to them, to his disciples, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall not thirst. 
This proclamation of Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, is, it constitutes one of his seven I am sayings in the Gospel of John. Apart from these sayings, there were also several other absolute statements. So they're so significant because not only he says I am, but this, the, the exact terminology that he uses is the one that God himself used, um, the God in the Old Testament used. I think I'm going really bright now. <laughs> in Exodus... Chapter 3, verse 14, that's how God revealed himself to Moses. He said, I am. So the significance of Jesus saying the same thing is he is kind of saying, I am the one with God and has always been with God, the Father, since the beginning of time. This statement goes against the very notion of what the culture around us is dictating. It breaks that very idea of relativism. Jesus is saying that there is a truth that is beyond you and I and this world, which is the truth, the truth, which is objectively true, and this truth is a person, and it is Jesus himself. And thank goodness for that, because this is good news. Because in a world of relativism, when people are radically inclusive but ultimately feel confused and search in different ways and look for different directions, Jesus is saying, trust me, I am the way, which is unchanging. And this is the beauty of it. And it, it is what makes it really freeing. So that deals with the issue of inclusivity and relativism. But you may say, But it sounds very exclusive, right? And it does in some way. But I want you to hold on to that thought because I will come back to it. Because I want to look at the flip side of it and how actually Jesus introduced this key verse. Because Luke 19, 10 says this. this, The man of God came to seek and save the lost. And then we've got in Matthew 18, Verse 10, I've got the story that we heard the preach about a few weeks ago. John Bodley from Nottingham Trent came. And it's about Jesus leaving the 99 to go and find the one. So it's kind of Jesus as being both exclusive and inclusive. The parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. If you remember that, when Jesus said that parable, everybody that was around him was really surprised. It was quite astonishing because he, he was just basically upset. He upset everybody and surprised everybody in a way because those people that thought were in the sheep category actually ended up being in the goats category. And then the people who thought actually were the unsaved and the un- unworthy were actually in the sheep's category. So you see, Jesus welcomed all the wrong people and excluded all the right people. In our mornings, as Josh said, we've been learning about making room to invite people in our city into our home. And isn't that what Jesus did? I remember when we first moved to UK, we moved to Liverpool as asylums, as immigrants. None of us spoke any English, having left everything and anything that was familiar to us. And what really anchored us and gave us hope is that we received such a warm welcome from a really small Anglican church that was on top of our road. We went there, 
one morning on a Sunday, we just rocked up really, didn't know what to expect, so we just thought, it's a church, let's go and see what it's like. And the people at that church welcomed us so warmly, not just to the church community, but to actually their homes. And they would listen to us, and they would care for us, and their love for us, it was so significant that I actually, it's probably one of the reasons I carried on with my faith, and I stayed strong. They showed us what it was like to be part of a family again, having lost our natural ones, to be welcomed home. And that's what we're all about, folks. And this is what Jesus offers. His radical and outrageous love for people humbles us. You see, we don't get to choose who is in or who is out. It's up to Jesus. So let's put John 14, verse 6, into a bit of a context. So Jesus is effectively saying we can have confidence in him. He's saying, I am the way. But the way he says it, the context of it, is not to be used as a Bible bashing verse against other people, which I've often been, I've seen it being used. He is speaking to his friends, to his disciples, in their moments of desperation and doubt. This is Jesus is about to be crucified to go on the cross. And he says to them, where I'm going, my father has prepared rooms for you too. And then Thomas turns around and says, but how do we know the way to the father? And then Jesus says to Thomas, I am the way. And then Philip says, but how do we know the father? And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you have seen the father. So Jesus is telling them, telling his disciples, telling us, have confidence in him. He says, I will go and prepare a place for you too. If you want to experience life as it's meant to be experienced, listen to me. Follow me. You see, every other philosophy and religion in the world, whatever their symbol, their prophet, their spiritual leader, whoever it is, it always points people away from themselves. They always show the way. It's over there. Do that. Follow these rituals. And you will get that. But Jesus is complete opposite. Being as radical as ever, makes this astonishingly exclusive claim that he is the way. He is the truth. Going back to the start, this means Jesus can't be the way, the truth, and then every other religion and philosophy and spiritual belief also being the truth. Also, the second aspect of, or the facet of Jesus' way, is his radical grace. You see, all the other religions and the philosophies and ideologies out there teach you to become a better person, a better human being, a better version of yourself. And it often involves doing some good deeds, following a certain path. And then finally, hopefully, you'll be worthy enough to maybe be considered for heaven or eternity or to have a good life or to be happy. None of them offer what Jesus did for us and continues to do for us. But here is the interesting thing. Rather than exalting himself, Jesus did the complete opposite. He wore skin and bones. 
He was born in a stable to a teenager. He worked throughout his life, made some good friends, one of which betrayed him. He washed the feet of the said friends and ultimately died for you and I and for those people who crucified him. So that we don't ever have to experience the separation he himself experienced from his father whilst he was crucified. And what did he say when he was on the cross? A father forgive them that they don't know what they're doing. So what Jesus is offering is completely opposite to everything else out there. God has come to this world himself to give us access to his unconditional love and his forgiveness. And this is what we call grace. It is undeserving. It can't be earned. It doesn't matter what you do or offer or bring to the table. There is nothing that we can or can't do that would make him love us any more or less because Jesus did that for us. And sometimes it drives me absolutely mad when people try harder to earn God's love. I think it's a bit of a Western uh, way of life and thinking, if I'm being honest with you. It's almost we can't accept the simplicity of gospel. Something, it has to be something else. Surely I've got to do something else. I need to earn it. So I have to do more, get more, strive for more. And for me, coming from a religious background, having experienced that, I, I have truly experienced actually the freedom that comes that you get to experience in Jesus alone. So going back to our, to our question, do all roads lead to God? I think the more important question would be, which God? Their God, with capital G, or God, with small g, or God's? What is the truth? Because the God that we encounter in Jesus is the serving God. He is just, but merciful, gracious and kind, and the one that forgives so unconditionally and loves without bounds. Jesus tells us of a God, the Father, that is only after our hearts, not our deeds or our our righteousness, because quite frankly, let's be honest, none of us can ever reach that level of righteousness to be worthy of hanging out with God. Yet Jesus tells us about a Father who is our Abba, talks about intimacy that invites us to his kingdom with open arms we are called to be his children his friends and ultimately kingdom bearers and the prerequisition is quite simple there is no process to follow or a set of rituals or rules you simply believe this the gospel in your heart and you confess with your mouth and that, even that part of it is for our own benefit, it's for our own sake. It's so that we acknowledge his love and what he has done for us. And that we learn to rely on him, not our own strength. There is no other God or gods out there that offer this. I'm not claiming to be an expert on um, religions or, or spirituality or anything like that. And quite frankly, you don't have to be. But coming from a Muslim family, having practiced daily the rules and the rituals and the laws, but also having craved and longed for that connection with my creator, 
I can tell you that there is nothing else out there that offers what Jesus has done for us and he offers us on a daily basis. You see, in him, he covers our past, washes, off, washes us off of everything, of our mistakes, and he offers us his love for our today. And he offers you and I our eternal future with him. Our eternity with him is secure. This is this exchange that happens on the cross that Jesus takes on the sin of the world and that in return we get to have eternity with him. So he covers your past, your present and your future. He takes on the ugliness and the suffering of the world and in return he pours his love, the ultimate access that we can have to his kingdom. God's kingdom and this is why the grace what Jesus did for us on the cross is often called outrageous or scandalous because no one else would do that not even for their friends let alone their enemies see I was searching for the truth and Jesus found me so if you have Jesus as the destination then yes, many roads would lead to him. The scripture talks about searching the truth and that you will find it. Seek and you shall find. I shared my story with you, which is different. My other half, Johnny, is a completely different story. I use the very effective way of flirt to convert. Very biblical. (laughs) Um, When I met him, he grew up in a really lovely family, Um, with no idea about Christianity. And I actually invited him to Alpha. One other day, I introduced him. I said, there's this other guy who's really important in my life. I really need you to meet. I was freaking out. And I was like, his name is Jesus. I used all the cheesy lines, you name it. I dropped them in there. I was wearing all those, what would Jesus do, bracelets. All of them. Apparently, they're coming back. Yeah, I need to dig mine out. (laughs) So he's got a completely different story. He went through the Alpha course, made friends, his own friends. He lost loads of his friends at university. And then on the final night, the Holy Spirit night, uh, he was absolutely nailed by the Holy Spirit. And then he carried on. He's been carrying on on his journey ever since. I've got many other friends. Many of you in this room will have different stories. So we all come to know Jesus in different ways. And I, I think it was a few weeks ago when we had the baptisms. I just love those stories of people, of how they actually have found Jesus. It's just fascinating. I'm coming to land with that. So my challenge to you tonight is that if you are living amongst people who come from different backgrounds or religions or ideologies, don't create an us and them culture. Invite them to your lives. Share the love and kindness of Jesus with them. We don't need to engage in discussion or debate about other philosophies or religions. You don't need to become an expert or try to convince them or try to convert them to come to Christ. What we can offer is to show people what Jesus has to offer, because that's different. They wouldn't have heard about that. They wouldn't have experienced that anywhere else. 
And then we can pray and leave the rest to Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.